0: Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that would change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Here's what I want to talk to you about distractions. I'm I'm the kind of guy who I got distracted this week as I was researching a sermon on distractions. And while I was doing that, I started reading a blog by Kerry Newhoff, a leadership guru in the Christian world and love his work. And he was talking about how distraction is killing our sense of focus. And as he reminded me of the warnings of distraction, that distracted me and sent me down a rabbit hole where I started researching things I needed to do to avoid distraction. This isn't a joke. This is just where my level of focus is, right? This is a problem for me. 'Cause one of my favourite habits is to go to the movies. I see many, many great movies every year and also cats. <laughs> <sighs> I just like I loved that musical as a kid and now I want to take a flamethrower to it. It's introsyllable. <sighs> your You're better than that. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with me and movies right now. Right? The Netflixication of movies has meant that I've started watching them in 15 to 20 minute chunks. Is anybody else like this? Yeah. Like you feel like basically you, you just watch enough while you're doing the dishes and then you're like, I'll watch some more of this movie in six days time. And this is not how movies are meant to be watched, right? Directors do not sit down and go, I wonder if we can design it so people can pull it out their pocket, watch it on the lowest resolution screen possible, and half-heartedly work out what's going on because somebody else is trying to talk to them at the same time. This is definitely not how they want it to be watched. And so for somebody like me who genuinely loves movies, the Netflixification of film is distracting me away from being able to do something that I genuinely want to do. This is the level of distraction in our world right now. And I want to put this to you, right? Like I, Jenny started off doing the year with this thing called Declutter Like a Mother. Yeah. Anybody else heard of this? It's this challenge where, you know, maybe just mums, but it's, it's, it's this challenge where for half an hour every day for two weeks, you declutter part of your home. And so this is something Jenny has excitedly done and the children and I have reluctantly done. And we've been decluttering our home and I am just astounded by how much junk I have. Like just stupid. Stuff, boxes full of stuff. And I've got no other word for it because it's just all sorts of trinkets. You know the thing that kills you, by the way, as a parent, Happy Meal toys? Like, oh my gosh, they're just trash. Like, I know they mean well and the kids love them for the nine seconds they're holding them. But then it just becomes something else in your home. So Jenny started off doing this. Meanwhile, I'm getting as distracted as anything. And while I was getting distracted, I started researching more about distraction. And I came across an article that talked about the 14 um, signs that you might have adult ADHD. Okay, now, I don't think I have adult ADHD. Others of you may disagree here in the room, that's fine. Let me read them out to you. Because when I read them, I thought that charitably, I have nine of these 14 signs. Lack of focus, I've already talked about that, being easily distracted, not completing tasks. The second one, which is kind of the opposite, so you can't really hit 14, is hyperfocus. That is you get so focused, so engrossed, that you become unaware of other people. Let me run through the rest a bit faster. Disorganization, time management problems, forgetfulness, impulsivity, which is acting without thought of consequences. Forgetfulness, nothing, yeah, one person, great. <laughs> Emotional problems, poor self-image, lack of motivation, restlessness and anxiety, fatigue, health problems. This is where you're like, cool, I'm fairly healthy. They include poor eating and neglection of exercise. So, soz. Relationship issues, substance abuse, and of course, forgetfulness. So here's the thing, with these 14 signs, sometimes you just gotta keep putting the line out there and get a bite. Here's the thing, with these 14 signs, They don't tell you how many you need to qualify as having adult ADHD. They just put them out there and go, good luck. (laughs) This is kind of funny in in some ways, except, except when we are distracted, like I've already said, we're taken away from doing the things we genuinely want to be doing and need to be doing. And this affects our work, it affects our study, it affects our relationship, and it definitely affects our relationship with God because our relationship with God is something that requires focus. God is trying to do, friends, a renewing work in you and in me. He's trying to make us new, piece by piece. He's done the finished work in Jesus, and now he's in this process called sanctification, which is just making us more like Jesus. But if we can't focus on God, we can't focus on what God wants us to do or how we're meant to become, and this is a problem. So distraction is the enemy of personal renewal. Now, I mentioned before that I was reading this blog by Kerry Newhoff, great guy, and he, he put out this stat that I found fascinating, that people interact with, interact with their phones, on average, 2,617 times a day. So an interaction counts as, uh, as, a, as a press, as a swipe, as a click. Any of those things are an interaction, but even if you're writing an essay, 2,600 times a day is quite a lot. I wanna stress, this is an average, This is not for millennials, this is across all ages. People who are heavy users average 5,400 interactions a day. That is more interactions than we see advertisements. That is more interactions than we take steps per day on average. We are touching our phones more than we are physically taking steps. It is more interactions than we speak words on average per day. That's crazy read words sorry not speak words read words per day so what if you didn't though what if you were the sort of person that you're not addicted to your phones and uh you are are pretty disciplined and you just put it away it's all right you don't need to every time you think about cats you don't need to see a funny cat video or again flame cats on imdb or something like that what if you're not well unfortunately our average push notifications are more than 50 a day which means that we are getting sent to us bing getting in our minds bing vibrating in our pockets 50 times a day. It's like setting an alarm to be distracted 50 times a day. That's the state of our phones right now. Our notification culture is creating distraction and it kills our ability to focus. And so Carey came to this theory that in 2020, it's like focus is a superpower. It's actually something that enables us to get better jobs and keep them and and rise within them. Focus is like a superpower in 2020. Now, I've been thinking about this for a very long time in between playing Sudoku on my phone and checking the NBA scores and whatever else I'm doing to distract myself. And what I've come up with is this. I'm I'm really concerned about a culture of distraction because I, I think in a distracted world, the distractions that annoy us become the anxieties that plague us. I think distraction turns to anxiety. And what I've discovered about my own life and what I've observed in in you guys and other people around us is that the more distracted we are, the more anxious we are. Now I I wanna go through this slowly because my wife tells me I go through these things too fast and she's probably right. So in the interest of slowing down and not being distracted, let me take you through my thought process here. Distraction creates unfocused living okay this is going to be up behind us distraction creates unfocused living now the reason that is is because by definition we've got something we want to be doing or focusing on and we get distracted and we usually get distracted more than once so suddenly we are no longer focused on one thing but we are are dissipating our focus onto many things so our lives become unfocused follow me so far unfocused living leads to an uncertain future because when we take away our focus from the few things that God is wanting us to focus on and we spread it across in many things, our future becomes uncertain because we are trying to take hold of every future all at the same time. An uncertain future leads to a generalized sense of anxiety in us because when we don't know what the future holds and we're trying to go in every direction at once, we are anxious that either we're missing out on a better future, right? FOMO, we all know that, or FOBO, any of that stuff, or we're just anxious because we've made the wrong decision, we're anxious because we don't have enough data, we're anxious because we are trying to go shallow in a thousand directions rather than deep in two or three. That's why it creates a generalized anxiety, and generalized anxiety by definition destroys our rest because when we are anxious about what we are not doing, our minds keep ticking over about it time and again, wondering if we've made the right decision, wondering about our future, wondering, 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 wondering. We can't stop because we feel like we should be doing something else. We can't sleep because we can't stop thinking about the decisions we feel like we should have made. Is this resonating with anybody? And here's the thing, let me, let me, let me, so more simply, distraction leads to uncertainty, uncertainty leads to anxiety. Let me talk about generalized anxiety disorder for a split second, because it, it is a specific kind of anxiety, or a, a general kind of anxiety, and it's, it's diagnosable, and I think it's one of the biggest blights on our culture right now. I think we are all getting caught in an anxiety crisis, and usually when it hits overload, we start screaming at people on the internet, that seems to be how most of us handle it, which is just super healthy. This is what generalized anxiety disorder is. It's characterized by excessive, exaggerated anxiety and worry about everyday life events with no obvious reasons for worry. No obvious reasons. People with symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder tend to always expect disaster and can't stop worrying about health, money, family, study, or work. So. Distraction leads to anxiety and anxiety leads to disaster. Distraction leads to disaster. And I know this sounds a bit over the top, but when I read out some of those symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder, did that apply to you at all? Worry about everyday life events with no obvious reason for worry. Can't stop worrying about health, money, family, work, or school. What about the signs of adult ADHD? Depression, fatigue, restlessness. It's funny until suddenly it really Really isn't. So if distraction leads to anxiety, and ultimately anxiety destroys our sense of rest, then the question is what do we do about our sense of rest? And perhaps the bigger question right now is what does this have to do with hearing from God? This is what I want to put out for you. Distraction leads to anxiety, but rest leads to renewal. Yeah. And if God is doing a renewing work in us, then we need to crave and strive and fight for the rest that God needs us to have in order to be renewed in him. And this is a theme throughout scripture. You see rest from Genesis to Revelation, the concept of the Sabbath, the day of rest, is instituted in the first three chapters of Genesis, right at the start of the Bible. And at the end of the Bible in Revelation, we find our rest in Christ, in the heavenly city of Jerusalem. We actually find our rest in each place, and then throughout all of scripture, we are called to rest, we are called to rest, And then this concept of renewal, which comes up again all throughout the Bible, but in the New Testament, we see renewal through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. A new life that we are then called into. The Holy Spirit pours in us. And Jesus says through Paul, You are a new creation. We are being renewed, made new. So we need to pursue renewal. Let's have a look at today's scripture so you can explore what I'm getting at here. There'll be a bit on screen behind us, but jump into Mark chapter six on your physical Bibles, which are your only options right now. Hmm, Papery. (laughs) Okay. So as Jordan shared with us, in this part of Mark's gospel... The disciples have just returned from their first missionary experience and they are super excited. Jesus sent them out two by two and they've been healing the sick and they've been casting out demons and they've been seeing prayers answered and frankly, it sounds awesome. And they came back and they are fired up and they're like, Jesus, let me tell you about all this cool stuff we got to do. And Jesus, he's just that that father figure is like, I mean, I know all this, but no, please tell me, tell me, tell me, he's, very, he's gracious like that is Jesus. They're all amped up about this. And Jesus says this, it's time to go to the next level with ministry. You thought that was good. You need to do more. You need to be going out there one by one this time, not two by two. More work, striving harder, push your family and friends aside, sleep less. You've got to get out on the mission field. No, he doesn't say any of that. Actually, what he does is he looks at them and he says, let's go rest for a while. You guys have done a great job. Let's rest. And he notices, and this is great in the text, Have a look at this, have a look at this last verse up here in verse 31. For many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Jesus notices the disciples aren't eating properly. And he says, you need some rest. You actually need to be renewed. Let's stop, let's withdraw. Many people are coming for ministry and Jesus says, no, let's withdraw. Just wanna hold onto that idea for a second. Let's keep going. Something has happened here. He notices the spiritual state of the disciples. They're living off the high of their successes. They're that first time Easter camp leader. They're that excited. But they're not taking care of themselves for the long haul. Because ministry and mission are lifelong callings for followers of Jesus. They're not things we go on, they're lifelong callings for us. So we've got to take care of ourselves. We live on mission, we don't go on trips. And when Jesus notices something like this, we need to notice it too. So they go to retreat. They go via boat and the land, but the people who want ministry, you see, they get there first. The people will always get ahead of your rest. Other people's needs will always get ahead of your rest if you let it. And Jesus right now has another strategic choice to make here because we know he's chosen receipt, receipt, retreat. We know that he's been saying, all right, disciples, let's retreat. I paid for the full Indota package. You've got the full wellness package. You're going to get a massage. You're going to get those creepy white hydration masks that makes you look like the killer from Scream. It's going to be incredible. I paid for it all. Oh, don't worry. And then he gets to the other side and ministry is there waiting for him, and he has a strategic decision to make. Does he push them aside for the second time in retreat? Or does he do ministry? And Jesus, read what the scripture says. He saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. Jesus knows when thoughtful compassion is in it needs to be engaged with for ministry. There are times to withdraw and there are times to engage. Jesus chose to withdraw and then he saw that the spiritual hunger of the many was actually bigger than the physical hunger of the disciples and so he engages with compassion and this is what happens Jesus makes his decision based on thoughtful compassion and he teaches the people and that's great but the text continues from where we were today the physical hunger catches back up There are physical realities to consider, practical realities. Jesus chooses compassion, but the disciples are coming back down from their ministry sugar high. Their devices have been turned off for half an hour. They're shaking. They're wondering how they can get out the doors. They need something to happen right now. They're hangry, basically, and they're worried that everyone else is hangry, too. So they come to Jesus in confusion and anxiety, and they say, Jesus, Jesus, you need to do something about this. They're getting distracted from what's going on around them, because Jesus The text doesn't say Jesus was doing ministry. What does the text say? The text says, then he began to teach them many things. Jesus is in the midst of teaching the people. And the disciples have a choice, just like Jesus. They can sit at the feet of Jesus and listen and receive from God, hear from God directly. Or they can run around and do stuff. It's what's known as a Mary and Martha situation, if you're familiar with the Bible. Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. Martha runs around making sure the dips are on the right platters. And the disciples are marthering, And so they get to Jesus and they're saying, I've got this work and it's important, Jesus. I've been doing work. I've been doing ministry. I've been doing miracles. I don't know if you noticed. And Jesus is like, yes, you're, you're very special. You're doing a great job. And so now feed these people. And Jesus, because sometimes when we hear from God, he doesn't tell us what we want to hear. He says, you feed them. And the disciples are like, what? What do you mean? He's like, well, all the miracles, remember? You've been going around, you've been performing miracles, you've been casting out demons, you can do this. And the disciples are like, no, we can't. And they they actually can't because they are out. They are tapped out. They need to call a sub. They need to take time out. They need to just leave and retreat. And Jesus knows this. And he's scratching at their flesh going, what are my people gonna do? Sometimes, friends, that's what he's doing to you. You're mad at God because you feel like you're not hearing from him. And Jesus is like, what if I just poke you a little bit? How do you react when you're just uncomfortable? How do you react on a, on a 30 degree day instead of a 25? What about if the aircon goes out? What if you don't get that shift at work you wanted? What if you get called up to work, heaven forbid, and you get the opportunity for more finance? What if, how do we react when things aren't going perfectly? Jesus, he's a good God, but he does love to test us sometimes. So Jesus says you feed them, they can't do it, they don't have it in them, but what they do have it in them to do it's to listen to Jesus. They do have it in them to listen to Jesus. Jesus gives them instructions, gather what you can, and they do, they bring it to Jesus, and then what happens, he blesses it, he prays, he sends it out, and it feeds 5,000 plus people, and the disciples see a miracle. Because they did anything? No, because they listened to God. They actually sat at the feet of Jesus for a moment, listened to what God was saying, and acted on it. There's a few things we can take away From this, And I wanna offer a few reflections here before we finish up. Number one, we have to learn the difference between when we are being distracted and when we are receiving a divine interruption, because they're not the same thing, although sometimes they can look similar. What I was trying to show through the phone stats is that we are a very distracted generation. We struggle to focus, but there will be times when you want to focus, and God says, no, 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 it's ministry time. And you say, no, no, I'm, I'm trying to focus on something important. And God says, I've got something more important right now, and it's people. So here's the question you can use to test if you're being distracted by something or being given a godly interruption. Is this about my preferences or about someone else's genuine spiritual needs? So let's say you have work to do. Right, you're doing work after hours, and someone calls you and says, "Hey, I could really use a chat. Um, I'm, I'm going through a hard time," and you go, "Oh man, I would love to, but I've just got a lot of work right now." That sounds like a divine interruption to me. Or what about if you're if you're just watching Netflix? You're like, "Yeah, I know it's only Netflix, but I need this rest." But somebody is calling on my time, and maybe you just need to turn off Netflix. It may be. It may be that God is trying to get your attention. What if you're micromanaging a problem that God is asking you to hand off to other people to let them grow? Sometimes it is a distraction. But if the interruption is about people's genuine spiritual needs, it might be God trying to get your attention with thoughtful compassion. Here's the second one. I said this before, when we hear from God, it's not always what we want, but it is always what we need. So the disciples come and they say, feed everyone. And Jesus says, you feed everyone. And they don't know what to do. And this is what God does. Often when you hear from God, and you, you let's say you're doing it all right, you declutter your life, you clear distractions out, and you're saying, okay, God, I'm ready. And God says, good. Here's the parameters you've given me. I want you to go over here. And we're like, no, the, see, because the parameters were here, remember? That, that was the original discussion. And God's like, no, 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 I want you to step out of your comfort zone. I want you to do something that you're not prepared to do. I want you to go and talk to somebody you've never talked to. I want you to apologize to that person you've wronged. I want you to end that bad relationship you're in. I want you to stop that habit you're doing. I want you to do what is going to grow you to be more like Jesus. And to do that, generally I find people are pushed out of their comfort zones. What might that look like for you tonight? What might be God trying to challenge you with on your comfort zones that if you do it, you'll find you're hearing and obeying the word of God. Here's the third thing. We have to learn to be by ourselves with Jesus. By ourselves with Jesus. Sometimes the reason for our distraction is we wanna be distracted and we're afraid to be with God. Has anyone ever been in that space? So You don't have to raise your hand, but you, you want the presence of God you're afraid of what he might say, or worse, you're afraid that you're going to go there and nothing's going to happen. But you can trust God. God wants to speak to you. If you make time for him, he is speaking. He will speak. He will communicate to you, I promise, even if that communication is wait or stop or no. He's speaking. This is what Pascal said, the philosopher. He puts it this way. All of humanity's problems stem from man's ability, inability to sit quietly in a room alone. The main reason that we in this room don't hear from God, the main reason, is because we don't take time to hear from God. I, I, I know that's a bit of an anti-climax, but that's the main reason. We don't hear from God because we're so busy. Yeah. It's an idol, kill it, kill it, it's an idol. It is easy to be busy, it's the cheat option. I'm, I'm not saying, by the way, that people in this room aren't busy. But it's an easy excuse when we say, well, no, I, I haven't done any Bible reading this week, even though I know it's the most consistent way to hear from God, as we heard from GM last week, because I've been busy. It's like, I get it. But if you've got a commute, you can read your Bible. Even if you're driving, there's an audio Bible on the Version app, just play it. Just play it. There are ways around what we need to do. Right, there are, but we have to be willing to do it. If Unless we declutter our lives and intentionally take this step, we're not gonna hear from God the way we want to. But let me, let me get you to the fourth point, and, and this is the really important one. If Jesus can stop saving the world for a minute to be with God, so can you. Right? So, so let me put you through this. Sometimes we're distracted by the obvious stuff, Netflix and YouTube, rabbit holes and all the rest. Sometimes... We're so busy trying to work for God that we're not willing to be with God. Pastors are the worst of this. We are the absolute guiltiest because we're so busy doing stuff for God that we can sometimes forget just to be with God for our own renewal. And because, frankly, it feels nice to be needed. Anybody else ever felt that before? Right? I'm just giving it. This is honestly one of the big wrestles of all people in ministry, to not just be working in ministry and on working for other people just to be with Jesus. No agenda, just to be with Jesus. But let me say this again. If Jesus withdrew to a solitary place often, even when there were ministry needs, we can too. Jesus was literally saving the world and he still found time to retreat. What's our excuse? That's not figurative. That's not a metaphor. Jesus was the Savior, is the Savior. He saved the world and he still found time to retreat. You don't think there weren't thousands of people pressing around him. We know there were. It's in the text. Again and again, ministry came to him. And every time Jesus had to say, Right now, what do I do? Do I withdraw or engage? What do I need right now? Do I need rest and renewal, or am I rested and renewed and I actually need to step into ministry? Because there is a moment where we keep telling ourselves, I need more, I need more, I need more rest, and we actually just need to get out and do it. But I think the greater problem is right now we're not willing to put aside our busyness to withdraw and simply be with God. Because if a relationship with Jesus is a relationship, you need to be with God, it's that simple. And As we come to a finish, I, I want to offer a couple of things. The first is this. God, God doesn't want or need you to save the world. It doesn't matter how important your job is. That doesn't mean you're not saving people or helping people. We know right now we are in a crisis in Australia with bushfires, and there are people courageously saving others. You are saving people with your work in that situation, but the only one who can save the world is Jesus, and he's already done it. Mm, yeah. Sometimes we just need stop this is what nathan finocchio who wrote here in god says he says god's voice comes to those who purposefully and regularly withdraw from an obsession with self-sufficiency and striving into a place of physical and emotional rest in god we can't listen to god's voice if we're too distracted to hear it so how are we going to declutter our lives to hear it how are we going to do that Now, decluttering is difficult to do because usually what it means is we let go of something good to pick up something better. I don't know if you've ever had to do that before, if you've ever been challenged by God to say, put down this thing that is good to pick up this thing I've got for you that is great. So often, do you know what we do? We don't declutter, we hoard. Anybody anybody here a hoarder or if they've got a relative who's a hoarder, which is a much safer bet? I do. Talk to me later. I have a relative who is a hoarder. And... It it gets ridiculous because you get this thing and you say, well, why can't you throw this away? And they give you a story associated with a newspaper clipping from 1972 that has nothing to do with family or friends, and it just doesn't make sense. The mentality behind hoarding is I have to keep it because whatever else is out there is not gonna be sufficient. Now, if you're pursuing God, you can't ever be a hoarder. Here's why. Because the more you carry, the less room you have for God. And actually Jesus, when he speaks about renewal in Matthew's gospel, he says something really powerful. He's standing up at, at this, this festival, the festival of the tabernacles, Feast of the Tabernacles. And, and he stands there and he says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. Because you can come to me and take my yoke upon you. Now, the yoke was the thing that the oxen took to kind of pull a plow behind them. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, had been putting the equivalent of a yoke upon all the people. It was like saying, I'm going to put way too many weights on. You're going to try and, and do a standard bench press, and you're not going to be able to, because I've just loaded you up with weights. And Jesus said, but my yoke is light. And when you, when you ask for my yoke, when you come to me, what you find is not extra weight, but rest. You find renewal in your soul. When we come to Jesus, when we declutter our lives, not to do nothing, but to be with God, we hear His voice, we find rest, we find renewal. But we've gotta get past those problems that we had, church. We've gotta get past this idea that we're afraid to be alone with God. We've gotta get past this idea that we've gotta be so busy doing stuff for God that we can't be with God. And above all else, we've gotta remember that Jesus has already done the saving work. We don't need to do anything. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you are able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, EncounterAdelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review, or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.